0: John Meacham has a wonderful quote, history is not a GPS, but a diagnostic guide. Mm -hmm. And that's what I view the equity report as. Mm -hmm. It is a diagnostic guide to let the reader know this was the issue, this is the problem, this is the work that they've been doing. And the reader can have a choice to say, I like the direction that they're going, I wanna support them, let me Mm -hmm. support them in their work. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna be able to keep in life, you're not gonna be able to keep every donor, every every person, and and that's okay. But how I lead is what is in the best interest of the organization. You can't be scared. Yes, you have some fear, but you just have to do it.
1: The big question, how quickly can brands and businesses change and modernize in response to the changing demographics globally? the future of work, demand for modernizing the practice of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and industry corrections. This is why we started the Change Podcast by Reframe, to help people leaders like you get answers that accelerate inclusive change and growth that reflects where the world is going. Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades old problem. I'm your host, Jeffrey L. Bowman. For the pilot season fourth episode, modernizing the arts and culture sector, truth-telling and creating more equitable spaces We interviewed Krista Terrell, the former president of the Charlotte local arts agency, the Arts and Science Council. We talk and explore the transformative journey undertaken by the Arts and Science Council as they navigate the complex landscape of arts funding, equity, and community engagement. Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades-old problem. I'm your host, Jeffrey L. Bowman. Join us and subscribe via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find more pilot episodes at getreframe.com forward slash podcast. Now let's get started. Krista, thank you for making it time to come and talk with us a little bit and You know, as we said before, um, I'm Jeffrey Bowman, co-founder and CEO of Reframe, your host for today, and I really want to take about thirty to forty-five minutes, very conversational, in terms of um, you know, we we're doing this podcast as a pilot to uh, interview people leaders that are accelerating change in their industry and their company you know, and and really all about building inclusive experiences within their industry as well. You know, to kick things off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and, you know, the position that you hold, and how long you've been at uh, your present company?
0: Well, first, thank you so much for having me and for the opportunity. My name is Krista Terrell. I am president of the Arts and Science Council. We are the local arts agency here in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, North Carolina. I am... I've been with ASC for twenty years. Oh wow! Um,
1: yes, yeah, that's great.
0: Have uh, moved within the organization, mainly in PR and marketing communications functions, and have served as president for about a year and six months um, so far. So really, congratulations! Thank you. Uh, really enjoying the role, and I'm originally um, born and raised uh, from born and raised in Augusta, Georgia.
1: Oh wow, so you're a southerner. Yes. Uh-huh. So what inspired you to like build a career in arts and culture? Where was that inspiration from? Well,
0: I think the inspiration really came from my mother. Um, I really would not be where I am today if it were not for my mother who exposed me to arts and cultural experiences as a young child in Augusta. Um, remember going to Augusta Mini Theater, which was a space created for Black youth to have experiences and to learn about theater, dance, etc. And for me, I really leaned into the dance part of it. I appreciate theater, but dance was really, um, that really spoke to me.
1: Was it your first
0: love? It is my first love. La- it yeah. is my first love. Um, so much so that my 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 thoughts of my career was supposed to be on stage. My, my dream was to be a dancer with Ailey Company. Oh wow, um, not but, too late. <laughs> I think it is, I, I, I can take classes there as an adult and enjoy <laughs> that experience. But I went to a performing arts school in Augusta from sixth to 12th grade, Davidson Fine Arts, and majored in ballet, that was my track. So I enjoyed having it every morning before academic classes, and then after school, I would go to Augusta Ballet and train. My dream was to go to Howard University and take master classes from Debbie Allen and all of that, but ended up going to, and applied to Howard and got accepted, but ended up going to Johnson C. Smith University here in Charlotte, which in the end, it turned out,
1: turned out great. Right, everything happens for a reason. It's yeah, absolutely. Really and so when you were thinking about, you know, you wanted to be a performer within arts and culture, or within arts specifically. And, you know, if, 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 if you know, within our audience there's someone uh, thinking about as a performer, but oftentimes they're not introduced to things that happen behind the scenes, like off the stage. Directionally, when you got to Johnson C. Smith, was that something that you majored in? Is it something that you pursued in terms of how do you blend arts and business? How do you blend arts and you know, nonprofit? Like, what's that in your mind when you were going to?
0: So when I started going to Johnson C. Smith, they do not, at the time, they did not have an arts track or a dance track, but I continued to fuel my passion by, um, I choreographed Ms. Johnson C. Smith's coronation. Uh, I did the uh, the AKAs they had a Mr. AK pageant I you know choreographed that but then when that's when when I was at Smith that's when I started learning about things behind the scenes because that's, that was when I was introduced to public relations oh and took classes and really fell in love with it and my track was my goal was I want to have a job waiting in the wings and I really need to have an internship every, every single year. Okay. And so one of my internships was actually with Spirit Square Center for Arts and Education. Okay,
1: and here what in is Charlotte. for folks that are not in Charlotte? Well,
0: it's no longer, I mean, back in the day, in the 90s, it was its own nonprofit uh, right. providing cultural experiences, a variety of experiences, and really on arts education. And so when I interned there um, in the PR and marketing department, that when, that was when I really learned about, oh, this is kind of behind the scenes of awareness and marketing and PR for acts. For example, like I remember doing a poster for Celia Cruz um, and having those experiences. Crisis, she is a um, she's no, she's passed away, but she is a famous uh, Latino singer, okay. Cuba, I believe okay. Cuba. That's when I learned about that experience and really enjoyed learning about things behind, behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. I think in the end, I feel like my life has come full circle because while I'm not on stage performing, mm-hmm. I am behind the scenes fueling and advocating uh, to make mm-hmm. things happen for arts and culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when you graduated, did you go pursue public relations? Or did like, How does one like fall into a career in arts?
0: So when I graduated from Smith, I did not fall into a career in the arts. I actually had an internship at Burson Marsteller in Washington, D.C. And also during my internships, that's when I really learned I enjoyed the nonprofit space and not the agency world so much around mm-hmm. billable hours. Uh, for me so it's that very, was an agency. Burson Marsteller yes. is, yes. yes. Right. As, again, it was an internship. So I, it's important for me to have passion about what I do And I think having different clients, you know, oh, am I passionate about tires? Well, not really. (laughs) So, you know, for me, it's really important for me to have a passion about the work that I'm doing all the industry or sector of, of where, I'm, where I am working. Mm-hmm. And so when that ended, I came back to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Actually, my first job was PR specialist at Johnson C. Smith University, my oh, alma mater. Oh, you came back. Came yeah. back. So that was really interesting being there as an employee versus a student, again, right. learning more things behind the scenes. And then um, actually a woman named Sherry Waters, who worked at Johnson C. Smith, she was connected to an organization called Community School of the Arts. They're now called Arts Plus mm-hmm. and said, hey, they're looking for a marketing communications director. I think you'd be great for this role. And so went and applied. And that's how I landed into the cultural sector as a full time employee. Mm-hmm. Does she,
1: she knew your interests in terms of arts. And- she knew
0: my interest in oh, terms beautiful. of arts. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. And we had that that relationship because she she um, loved art
1: loves arts as well. For for some people that uh, pursuing careers, oftentimes I'm even presented with questions like, "I'm looking for a mentor, I'm looking for a sponsor." You know, how did you cultivate that relationship to where she could tap into something that uh, was your passion? Is it something that you had weekly meetings? Is it something where?
0: No, we did have weekly meetings. In her role, she was director of student activities. Right. Um, And so we built a relationship there when Mm. I was a student at Smith. Okay. But then working there, she really wasn't a mentor. We just just built a relationship, got to know one another, and learned about each other's interests. It was very organic, yes. But I do recommend for people that are looking for mentors –
1: or sponsors.
0: Or, spon- you know, or sponsors. Be very clear about what it is that you're seeking, how they can be of help and guidance to you. Yeah. And more importantly, just show up. Right. Commit right. to what it is that you're doing because they're taking their say, time to do. Do. do.
1: Absolutely. Love it. Love it. And so what time frame was this? Was this in the 90s or 2000s?
0: So um, I graduated '97 from Johnson C. Smith and started working in yeah in the fall of '97 yeah. to two thousand to nineteen I I think like 1999 and then that's when I went to community school, now Arts Plus and so learned a lot about that mm-hmm. and then while my during my time there Kim a woman named Kim McMillan who is my mentor one of my mentors was over. PR and marketing for the Arts and Science Council. Mm-hmm. And so since Community School of the Arts was one of the organizations that the Arts and Science Council supports, I was involved in kind of her marketing team if there's something Great. sector-wide and we built a relationship there. And then when a position opened, she said, yeah. would love for you to apply. I applied to do the writing test and all of that. And so in 2002 is when I joined
1: the Arts and Science gotcha, Council. Gotcha, wow. I mean, you think about the beginning of you know, the 2000s and you're making a transition, pursuing something within the you know, cultural sector in the city of Charlotte. For those who are not familiar with uh, ASC or, or the, the cultural sector within, within Charlotte, can you just give like a high overview in terms of what it is, Sure. when so did it start, and the mission of, of ASC?
0: So the Arts and Science Council was created in 1958, really primarily as a United Arts Fund, kind of a clearinghouse and also a fundraiser for arts and culture. And it really focused on funding in 1958. There are eight key organizations from the symphony, children's theater, et cetera. And over the years, it has grown into a local arts agency, really in the 70s, and the core of the local arts agency is really to ensure that arts is accessible for everyone. The role of the local arts agency is to ensure that there is broad, their focus is on the broader cultural sector, not just certain
1: geographic and it's spaces. it's everywhere? It's nationally? It's it everywhere? is
0: national, yes. There are, I think, about 4,300 local arts agencies mm-hmm. across the nation.
1: And how do those things start? Cause a lot of people have never even heard of a local arts agency right yes
0: well they start i think believe because people in the community want someone or an organization that is leading mm-hmm. this effort to ensure that arts and culture is accessible to everyone mm-hmm. actually the first local arts agency was started up the road in Winston Salem, uh, oh, wow. North Carolina, and a colleague of mine, Chase Law, is now leading that. Okay. I have another former colleague of ASC, um, Liz Fitzgerald, is now recently uh, became president of the um, Cabarrus Arts Council. So they they range in various sizes and scopes. Their scopes mm-hmm. are very different. Liz, when I think about Liz and Cabarrus, she actually manages a building that has gallery space and mm-hmm. classrooms and things like that, and a theater. ASC, our role, we we don't do that as a local arts agency.
1: So every local arts agency has a different same mission but a different outcome.
0: Different outcome and different different scopes of work as well. Okay. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And so you you can imagine like an organization started nineteen fifties. What was the state of like arts and culture when you think back to the early 2000s um, for Charlotte, what was it like then?
0: Well, it was really in early 2000s when I came to ASC, the, the primary focus was really around the operating support and the long standing organizations. Um, the cultural sector was doing very well financially due to the funding model that was put mm-hmm. in place which is really through um, workplace campaigns, uh, so that's so like if, employee giving. Employee giving. So if yeah. you work at Bank of America, you can do you know show up, have a campaign, you can do payroll deductions or write you know. So that that model led us to become one of the top United Arts funds in the country. It'd always be a battle between Cincinnati oh. and and Charlotte, um, but that.
1: So corporations would fund these giving campaigns.
0: Well, not necessarily. The corporations would give us access to their employees Uh, to be able to go in and demonstrate this is mm -hmm. the value, this is the role of arts and culture, and Mm -hmm. they could choose to give to us. So historically in Charlotte, it was United Way in the fall and ASC in the Mm -hmm. winter, and those were the two primary workplace campaigns. Corporations would also write, give dollars to ASC as well as the public sector um, we are the designated agency for the State Arts Council, North Carolina Arts Council, as well as um the designated, we get funding from the city as well as the county, and over several years the town started contributing as well. Mm. But there is a, a challenge with, with the workplace giving model because number one, it was very transactional. Mm-hmm. You're not building relationships with donors. Um for example, if you worked at Wells Fargo or Wachovia at the time, we may only get your email address in that Jeffrey Bowman gave $1,000 and I have your work email address. But if you leave and go to Bank of yeah. America, I've lost you. Yeah, yeah. And really not and never had an opportunity to learn what is your passion right. as it relates to arts and culture. Is it theater? Is it music? So, you know, when I came to ASC, we were really riding that wave again, one of the top United Arts funds in the country. But then the 2008 recession happened, and we went mm-hmm. from $11 million to $7 million, and it continued to decline. But the focus of those dollars that were raised in the past was really for operating support grants. Mm-hmm. Um, those are unrestricted dollars that were given to, back in the day, I think believe it was about 20 organizations, mm-hmm. ranging from the symphony and the Mint Museum. And when you say unrestricted Lallet, dollars,
1: what does that mean to most
0: Oh, oper- unrestricted operating. So it is It is core dollars to keep the lights on, to do the programming, to pay the staff mm-hmm. um, for that organization to be able to do its work. Unrestricted okay. dollars are the hardest dollars to raise for an organization. So you
1: could say most of the giving, philanthropy, any of the arts organizations typically get restricted dollars. And what does that mean for folks that are not familiar with that term?
0: Well, there's a mix of unrestricted dollars and restricted dollars. So, for example, if you get money from, we get money from Mecklenburg County that is all restricted. So it has to go to specific Mm -hmm. programs, meaning arts education or our culture blocks program. But unrestricted dollars really, I mean, those restricted dollars are are important. Those unrestricted dollars, again, are the hardest dollars to raise Mm -hmm. and what is really needed to, to help an organization operate, meaning from grant grant software systems to again paying staff, everything.
1: Mm-hmm. So, the the crises happened two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna flash forward a little bit because I know a little bit more about you. You growing up had a passion for arts. At any moment, as you made your pivot. From Johnson C. Smith into the sector. Did you ever grow up thinking you would become president?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that was
1: never
0: that was never in my path or my ambition. Um, it was really to be a senior public relations practitioner, and that's mm-hmm. what I am and was able to be uh, due to ASC and my growth there. But I had never imagined that I would become president. But I knew at a point in my career, I did want a growth opportunity. Mm -hmm. And when my predecessor stepped down um, kind of unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. the board um, asked me to serve for 30 to 35 days as acting president. And I did that. And then afterwards, they say, you're doing such a great job. We want you to lead Mm -hmm. the organization. And so I said, you know, I, I am up for this challenge. Um, it has been, it has its challenging moments and I am in the middle you know, of a challenge, but I enjoy the work. I have an amazing team um, mm-hmm. who gets up every day and is committed to um, our mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and ASC's mission is really to invest in people, programs, and ideas that move us toward a more equitable, uh, creative uh, ecosystem and that is sustainable.
1: And when you say equitable, what does that mean? To you.
0: So equity is really about being fair and doing that in all aspects of the organization, especially in all aspects of our grant making, meaning where are we showing up, um, eliminating barriers to access those funds, making sure that we are helping people through the process of applying for grants or getting connected to workshops. One thing that's really important to me is who's sitting at the table, who's not sitting at the table as it relates to the funding decisions. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then um, also being accountable, transparent and accountable to the work, um, who we are funding and who we're not funding. Mm -hmm. That, When we say equitable distribution of resources, that is what's really um, important to me. And also in telling the truth about history of inequities.
1: So you describe when you started in terms of where the arts and culture sector was with Charlotte? Given where you are today in the seat that you sit in, what's the state of arts and culture within Charlotte? Within the sector specifically. And you can speak more broadly and, and then to Charlotte, but you know, where are we at?
0: So we've made we've made great progress as it relates to arts and culture in Charlotte Mecklenburg. And ASC has really started its evolution in 2015 Mm -hmm. because we're here to serve the residents of charlotte mecklenburg and Mm -hmm. they have articulated to us of how they want the cultural sector to serve them Mm -hmm. build community build bridges across difference they want relevant diverse and innovative programming for a changing population Mm -hmm. and they also want art science and history to be central to pre-k through 12 education
1: Mm -hmm. so but who says that uh, residents
0: Residence. residents across Charlotte and Mecklenburg and has it
1: has a you know when you think about 2000 versus where we are today has the resident population changed
0: the resident population has changed dramatically actually in the 2010 census that's when Mecklenburg County became a majority minority city. And again, ASC was still kind of behind the curve during that time, but started that shift in 2014, 20, 2015. Mm-hmm. So I would say the state of arts and culture now, we definitely, number one, it still continues to be, the biggest issue is the funding issue. Mm-hmm. We also have issues around space. Um, artists and organizations need space to work, space to you know house their sets and costumes mm-hmm. and things like that. But that the the revenue piece is really, really critical for the sustainability and also the growth of um, of Charlotte Mecklenburg. But I'm really proud of the work that ASC has done since 2015, number one, to become a more equitable organization, mm-hmm. and that we have really leaned into supporting creative individuals as well as grassroots um, organizations. Our focus is not on those long standing organizations, we still support them and think they're important. We support them in different ways, but it but it is our role and our responsibility to serve the residents of Charlotte Mecklenburg, no matter where they live. I always say everyone understands you need to come uptown for the mountaintop experiences like Hamilton on Broadway or the color Purple on Broadway. but residents also want experiences close to where they live. They want their child to attend a dance class at a rec center. They want to be able to throw a pot Mm -hmm. um, on a wheel close to where they live. And so that's what we're working to ensure they -hmm. have access to those
1: experiences. Sounds like you guys are taking a leadership role in terms of, you know, the arts and culture sector. Um, Would you say that's reflective for all of arts and culture from a sector standpoint? Wanted to make that pivot, wanted to make that shift.
0: Yeah, I mean, we wanted to make that shift to be really out of the the learnings of the 2014 Cultural Vision Plan, where the residents articulated those three things to us.
1: Okay. Um, So. But does everyone else fall in the
0: line? Oh, um, (laughs) some, not, not much. much. Um, (laughs) No, not much. Yes, we are a leader in that, and we do our best to influence organizations of all sizes to do that work, especially the longstanding um, organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it has to be more than just you know, for organizations or even creatives to just talk. You know, mm-hmm. you have to show up and do you know and do mm-hmm. the work. So, we Culture Blocks is a great example that's funded by Mecklenburg County. Where and what is
1: Culture Blocks?
0: So Culture Blocks is a program that is um, funding opportunity that is funded by Mecklenburg County where we ASC have, we're in 10 communities Mm -hmm. constantly listening Mm -hmm. to and learning from residents about the arts and cultural experiences that they want to see. They have a cultural life already. We wanna connect them to the assets that are here in the community. Mm -hmm. We're again, creative individuals, organizations of all sizes. And so in those blocks, which are very different, um, we are connecting the residents to organizations and creatives that are, in, that are going to the communities and doing the work. And it's really also an opportunity for those organizations and creatives to build a relationship with residents in the community. Mm-hmm. And the nice um, part about Culture Blocks as well is that it's a partnership with the library system as well as parks and recreation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have experiences taking place in um, in those areas, but as well as in some non traditional spaces as well.
1: And so, given where you know, it sounds like early on, you guys were highly focused in terms of employee. Given, have has ASC always been a residence first organization in terms of listing and then, you know
0: no it it, it, historically i believe it has not been a resident first it's really been um kind of corporate economic development first um Mm -hmm. actually the first cult we've done a series of cultural plans but what the corporate sector and the public sector in this community said you know back in the day what's going to be the 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 calling card for economic development in charlotte Mm -hmm. we don't have a river running through our town. Fair. We don't have mountains, we don't have beaches. Um, we don't have national, you know, a, a sports team at the time. There was no panthers, no hornets, no checkers. So what's going to be that economic calling card? And they said, well, it's going to be arts and culture. Yeah. So when you look on North Tryon, on Tryon Street, there's South Tryon Street and North Tryon Street, and they decided to first focus on North Tryon Street. It was rundown, drugs, prostitution, et cetera. But the cultural organizations you see today have really transformed that mm-hmm. that piece, and In they also wanted they also wanted arts and culture to be the calling card for businesses to move here. Mm-hmm. What's going to make, what's going to help us attract businesses um, mm-hmm. to move here? So that's when you know you now see a discovery place for science, which is the science museum. You see McCall Center for Art and Innovation, and things like that. So,
1: and what you reference is like, I think the term you use to reference those organizations uh the cultural
0: cultural organization cultural or yeah Mm -hmm. the the cultural organizations yeah and a lot of them are kind of you consider the long-standing organizations like discovery place and that that was really the focus around economic development Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. ensuring that the money is being raised so that those organizations can operate and do what they need to do. And again, was used as a calling card for mm-hmm. businesses um, and companies to come here. We still understand that economic development does play a very important role in the community and that arts and culture plays a role with that. We do the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study with Americans for the Arts. We're in the middle of that right now. That that basically is a research that tells you the economic impact of nonprofit Arts and cultural organizations and their audiences. Yeah, in our role as a local arts agency, we are here to serve the residents of Charlotte Mecklenburg first. Mm-hmm. And if that is strong, then you can it will attract tourism.
1: Gotcha. And so, um, T- top down versus bottoms up. Would you say histor- like-
0: historically it has been a tops down a <laughs> tops down um, uh, structure? we have been shifting to be bottoms up um again cultural blocks is a great example of that and the shifts we've made since the cultural vision grant cultural vision plan uh-huh. there are still structures and people with power in the community that want to maintain want to keep it as a top down uh structure uh-huh. and i don't agree with that yeah, it no, needs to be about to the community exactly
1: you know this is where you know, we're about halfway through and we'd like to remind everyone our, our listeners and audiences that we purposely named this podcast the change podcast by reframe and part of that is that we know from the work that we've been doing now for nearly 10 years is that you know there are a lot of people that' out there that are making change happen not just talking about it and so what you're describing is, is a tension point, that inflection in terms of like, you know, ANC has been around you know, since the 1950s. How is it going to be around past the 2050s, right? And so you are now in leadership as, as a, a person of color, a black woman, driving the ship and driving the sector. When you hear the word people leader, uh, what does that mean to you?
0: First, it means care Mm -hmm. to me. Giving, everything starts to me with your team. Mm -hmm. It's really important to nurture them, to care for them, Mm -hmm. to empower them so that they can do the work of the organization, make sure that they have those growth opportunities. So when I think about a people leader, I first think about it from the inside, Mm -hmm. And then, um, then it can go out on the on the outside. But that's where, that's where it's core for me. And I believe in taking on this role, I have had to do great care for the organization, for the for the employees, and for the team members, because we have been through a lot these past two fiscal years.
1: No, and and you know, on top of that, COVID, George Floyd, I mean, just um, a plethora. Of- Things, right. In addition to the sector in itself, you know the, you know one of the other things that we like to ask is when you think of reframing your work and life, um, what are some of the things that you're doing at the intersection of your work and life that you're reframing?
0: Um, I think for me. It's really to get out of and really get the organization out of this grind culture mindset.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I came into this role, I had to lay off 40% of my staff.
1: Oh, wow. That wasn't easy. Habit.
0: No, that was, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my career because mm-hmm. there were, there's an employee or a team member that actually started two months after I did. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, lay, um, lay her off. So that was the hardest day in my professional career. So when I talk about care, that is great care that is needed for the staff. But, you know, back in the day, ASC was a very yes organization okay. <laughs> with past leaders. Yes, we'll do this. Yes, we'll do that. Well, you had a bigger staff and it was just a go, go, go. Um, I'll never forget in 2008 when we had to lay uh, do you know, with the down in the fund drive and had to lay off staff and take furloughs. The president at the time said, well, your test, your task for the next 90 days is to figure out how to do more with less. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, no, let's put everything on the shelf and do two to three things that we really need to focus on. And then when we have the resources to bring it back, so really have been doing intentional work with the team to Get out of the grind culture. We know where we're going, what we need to do. But Mm -hmm. if you were on PTO, then be on PTO. Inform your team members that you're off, and it's yeah. just going to have to wait. It's just going to have right. to wait. So that's one thing um that I'm doing for the team as well as for myself because I I am a workaholic. So um, oh, no. trying to be yeah. trying to be mindful of that because I do have a family. I have two yeah. young sons. Um, uh, so
1: you're intentional. What changes are you making in the process?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, trying to do that and also providing space for my team members to creating a culture where they know they can come to me. And I've already had built this relationship before I became president, but they know that they can come to me if they're bothered about something or need that outlet to be able to, to talk. So Mm. that, that's what's really important to, um, important to me and also continuing to reframe and shift the narrative as it relates to ASC and our work. Um, because, yes, there's tension, but with the recent events, I'm sure we'll get to that. People, mm. there are segments of the community that just still see us as the old ASC. Right. You should be doing this, only funding, operating support, nothing else, when we're like, no.
1: Things have changed.
0: Things have changed, and the community, community. is changing, and this is right. what we need to do to serve, or to, um, not to serve, but to, to support.
1: Mm. Mm. Thank you for that. So... Let's go back just a little bit. It's day one. You just got handed the keys to the big office in the big chair. You're now president. What was that like in the first action that you took given the macro events that were happening at the time?
0: So it was a lot. Thinking about the first action.
1: But what was a lot when you say that for the audience members who
0: so give them a
1: little insight in terms of like the day before, the week before, and then what led yes to that so, first
0: day. So um, what I walked into was was an effort by the city of Charlotte that was uh, funding being taken away from ASC by a government entity without coming and talking to us first about it to say hey if they you know we don't like this or etc mm-hmm. that just happened and trying to understand well why what is mm-hmm. going on what does this mean that is what I walked into and then again continued decline of revenue from the fund drive so having to really get caught up because it's very interesting being there as a team member for all those yeah. years. But then when you're in the president role, it just opens up everything. You're you're dealing with everything from accounting to <laughs> right,
1: right.
0: just everything. Right. So trying to under trying to understand that and why that was happening. And also again it goes back to care. My my number one focus was caring for the team because mm. My predecessor, we, it, it kind of took us all off guard and kind of surprised us when my predecessor um, resigned.
1: And, and when you think about, you know, that first day or that, you know, the first week, none of this happened. You know, after you started, in terms of, so from an evolution standpoint, uh, what would you say were the reasons? As to how those things got the way that they became,
0: which reasons
1: the evolution of ASC getting to the point to where the funding was
0: well the, the, again the, the evolution of ASC began because of how of what the residents articulated to us mm-hmm. of how they want the cultural sector to serve them they've said, they said, you know you've done a great job. Mm-hmm building these cultural organizations, building the facilities. You've done great work there kind of uptown, but now it's time to go to the neighborhood level.
1: But everyone just didn't like walk in and say, OK, Krista, we, we love everything that's coming out of these reports as it relates to the residents. Like, was there any pushback? in terms of making that transition from an evolution standpoint?
0: No, there was there was no pushback. And actually, we started receiving increased funding from Mecklenburg County. Mm-hmm. Um, we continued to advocate for increased funding from the city of Charlotte, but they continued to remain flat for um, decades. And there was one bump, but I think it was like a $250,000 bump. But it's always been at about a $3 $3.1 million mark. Mm-hmm. When again, population is growing. Mm -hmm. demand for arts and cultural experiences are growing, Mm -hmm. and it does need to be funded. And when you have this workplace giving model that is broken, Mm -hmm. it still generates some revenue, but it's no longer the growth engine that it Mm -hmm. once was. And you also, it's important for the public sector to step up as Mm -hmm. well as corporations to step up. You know, you're dealing with all of these different revenue Mm -hmm. streams. And from the corporate sector, they also started shifting to be more around branding sponsorship opportunities which really does not support again the the unrestricted dollars that are needed but but yes mecklenburg county inc started to increase their funding Mm -hmm. because our work really aligned with what they cared about which is bringing mecklenburg county to you
1: sounds like you guys had this report you heard the residents talk you know you still had tough time sounds like making that pivot from the first day you started to where you are today can you talk a little bit about you know from that first day and you had all these challenges that you had to face like what were some of the things that you did to help shift or make the shift
0: well i just really um Kind of had the opportunity to double down on the work and on the journey that we're doing um, to become a more equitable organization,
1: mm-hmm.
0: really empowering my staff to look even more at who are we not funding mm-hmm. and where we need to go and engage with and build a relationship with creatives or organizations. But why did we- this
1: not happened before?
0: Well, it didn't happen just when I started. Again, we we started on this journey in 2015, but I think because of the because of the shift in funding, and we were still doing operating support grants at the, at that time, it just allowed me to take a step back and look at where thi- where are things, where are we right now, and what do we need to continue to lean on, and not kind of. Um, move from the path and the journey that we are on. So one example is, you know, again... I was going to
1: ask you about that. What stood out the most when you were trying to decide what where to start? Because I've read, it's all in public, that you publish a report that talked about...
0: The, oh, you're talking about the equity report.
1: Yeah.
0: When When, in 2019... Mm-hmm. Our board of directors approved a cultural, adopted a cultural equity statement. Mm-hmm. And they said, we are committed to this work and we are going to report annually on our work. Mm-hmm. But what so,
1: drove them to do that report? I'm sure.
0: What drove them to do that report is just um, our knowing that we started this journey in 2014. Hearing from leaders like Eddie Torres at Grantmakers in the Arts, who came to Charlotte and did a wonderful presentation about the history of inequities, especially around arts and culture, and I mean, yes, there were t- uh, the whole board wasn't like, yes, I mean there there were some tension points, but in the end, they did uh, they did approve the statement and said we are co- you know we are committed to doing this and we're going to report annually on the work. Uh, a cultural equity work group was formed internally. And um, we said, okay, the first report, equity report, I was tapped to be the leader of that. And for me, as well as my team members, we all said, mm-hmm. we are not going to talk about the good stuff that we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, we being
0: ASC? We, we meaning ASC. Okay. okay. It is important to tell our history and to tell the truth about the organization's history of inequities. And so there's a lot of research that was done to build that report. It was hard for me at times just looking at the data and mm-hmm. doing that. But Charlotte is a is a city that loves shiny and new. They like to talk about the good things, in my opinion, and you know not too much about the the bad things. And so, um, but we were committed that as we as the organization ASC reports on this, we we are not going to talk about the shiny and new. And so. In that report, it was published in February of 2021. We apologized for, in the introduction, we apologize for um, our our history of being an inequitable organization. The report also lays out the work we have been doing since 2015 to become a more equitable organization, as well as before 2015, kind of we would start and then stop and start and stop, you know, through the, the through the work, but. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people just landed, focused so much on the apology mm-hmm. and not the work that we have been doing since
1: 2015. And, and, and so- And how was that received? Like, can you talk about this apology? Can you be a little bit more?
0: So how it was received, I mean, the first, I'll never forget, the first email I received was from a woman that works at UNC Charlotte and said, never in my life have, have I seen a legacy organization like ASC, Tell its truth and apologize for that. I'm rooting for you, Krista, and the team. Yeah. Again, you. I wasn't president at... Uh, I was acting president at the time, actually, when the report was um,
1: was uh, published. Did you, did you read the report? I mean, someone led the report.
0: Well, yes, I led, I led the report. Yeah. I was the editor of the report. And so I'll never forget, that was the first email that I received. Mm-hmm. But however... You know i got a lot of positive feedback from creatives from people in the community mm-hmm. but also started hearing rumblings like why are they telling who got the largest you know funding over the years because there's a page in there where you'll see that From, you know, 1990s to I think it was 2020 or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mint has received the largest, the Symphony has received, you know, these organizations based in white Western Eurocentric culture. And when you look at organizations like Alana organizations, which means organizations focused on African, African, Arab, Native American, Asian descent Mm -hmm. and cultures, it was only like 9%.
1: So how big was the gap are you talking about from the beginning of asc to no tomorrow?
0: not from the beginning of asc we only had data looking like in the early
1: 90s to okay. to here so there, you don't have to give dollars but how big was that gap percentage wise about
0: i mean it was only like nine nine percent of
1: when you look at funding, all the right?
0: total funding yes to to a lot of organizations okay. so so that there's a chart in the equity report that a lot of, makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. I think what was
1: really- But is that, was that a problem?
0: Yes, that's a problem. Because I always think about, one of my favorite books is Begin Again by Eddie Glaude Jr., Dr. Eddie Glaude Jr., and he talks about the value gap and the lie. And the value gap and the lie is the belief that white People matter more than anyone else. And it's the belief in that lie that sets, has set up these structures and systems that mm-hmm. we are trying to dismantle. And those systems and structures led to people counting them as truths and breathe mm-hmm. them as air, as he writes in his book. And that's the same thing in the cultural sector.
1: Mm-hmm. But is I, that specific to Charlotte? Or would you say that's more no? that's,
0: that's nationally? Macro, That's national. Macro thing. Yes, a- absolutely, absolutely. But and why
1: aren't other cities, local arts agencies, taking the path that you took in terms of Well they
0: well they are. I mean, we we're not the only local arts agency that has done an equity report. There's other communities mm-hmm. around the country that have done an equity report. Um I think we are probably the ones that came out just forceful, like Bam, mm-hmm. we apologize, right. which which I think is really important and, and aligns with Ed, Edgar Villanueva's work, who wrote "Decolonizing mm-hmm. Colonizing Wealth, is apologize first. That's the mm-hmm. first place and right. step of healing.
1: Oftentimes, you know, there are macro events, whether it be in arts and culture, you know, advertising, marketing, you know, CPG, et cetera, in terms of the inequity associated with funding. Mm-hmm. You still have a, a group of people within... Sector that wants things to say stay the same. Absolutely. And so, when you look at this report, you make this decision as a people leader. Why were you so vested in terms of speaking to that truth?
0: Because it's the right thing to do. We are on a journey that is an important. Telling the truth is an important step of the journey. Mm-hmm. It's important for my team. It's important for the board of ASC because. But what
1: about your fears? Didn't you have some? Fears?
0: Well, yes, I did have some. Family
1: income, job security, etc. How well were you it was able more to reconcile that?
0: It was more so like this is going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah,
1: because this happens because you know you most people know the truth.
0: Yes, yes, and they, they want, don't.
1: They want to act on it. There's a little sliver of fear, like if I do this, yes, what is the repercussion as a result of that? How are you able to overcome that? And this is for our audience members who are maybe in that position themselves. They've got this truth, they've got the data, but it's the internal piece.
0: For me, it goes, goes back to what it what is the right thing to do for the organization? What is in the best interest of the organization? And I know, you know, nonprofits are businesses. I am running mm-hmm. a, a business and money is mm-hmm. a, you know key to that. But I realized, I said, you know, we're probably gonna piss a lot of people off, which we mm-hmm. did, and they probably will stop giving to us, which some of them have. Um, but it also is an opportunity for to generate and to connect with new people that mm-hmm. are with us and like the work that we're doing. Um, and will support us in that work.
1: But what do you you say to the people that will take it all the way up to the point of wanting to do the right thing? But oftentimes you hear the phrase, the phraseology, I'm going to meet them where they want to be met. I'm not going to push them over the edge to get back of the potential
0: I think you just have
1: to take the risk mm. Yeah it's
0: either is you know I have a phrase no you know, you're either going to piss or get off the pot what what yeah. are you what are you going to do Yeah And it was really important for us to again to do the right thing and to tell the truth no matter how uncomfortable the truth is John Meacham has a wonderful quote, history is not a GPS, but a diagnostic guide. Mm -hmm. And that's what I view the equity report as. Mm -hmm. It is a diagnostic guide to let to let the reader know this was the issue. This is the problem. This is the work that's been that they've been doing. And the reader can have a choice to say, I like the direction that they're going. I want to support them. Let me Mm -hmm. support them in their work. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to keep in life. You're not going to be able to keep every donor, every every person. And and that's okay. But how I lead is what is in the best interest of the organization. You can't be scared. Yes, you have some fear, but you just Mm -hmm. have to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. And then once you do it. How do you bring people along? Or how did you bring people along?
0: I brought people along by really through storytelling. Mm-hmm. Our our team, really a team of Bernie Bernie Petit, um, does a wonderful wonderful job of telling the story of our work in community with community and how our investments are helping organizations of all sizes as well as creative individuals. Um, because we don't do a, we're not a programmer. We're we're more of a connector, a capacity builder. We bring people along by constantly beating the drum about the importance of equity, how being equitable is mandatory for the future of arts and culture, mm-hmm. um, not from a participatory standpoint, but also from a funding standpoint. Um, so that is, that's how I bring people along, is really by telling the story and, and giving examples about, um, about the work of ASC
1: and given where you're now at on this journey congratulations. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of people were impacted um positive, positively and, and educated.
0: Yes, I mean in doing <laughs> in doing the research um it's really interesting there's a there's a compare when you compare the Afro American Children's Theater and Children's Theater of Charlotte. Now yes, Children's Theater of Charlotte was founded was one of the organizations original eight you know when asc was founded in 1958 to support
1: for people that don't know what the original eight is
0: well if i can remember them
1: but it's, it's it sounds like there were eight
0: there were eight yes eight organizations that are still around today but that ranges from charlotte nature museum which is now part of discovery place opera carolina charlotte symphony the oratorio singers which are part of charlotte symphony carolina voices
1: but these are the eight original
0: original organizations when asc was founded in 1958 to say we need an organization to raise money to be a uh-huh. clearinghouse to fund these eight organizations
1: gotcha. and i'm sure demographically at that time things
0: oh yes it was majority yes majority yeah. white and these mm-hmm. are organizations that were founded in white western Eurocentric culture but when you look at children's theater charlotte and Afro-American Children's Theater. And in the 13 years that Afro-American Children's Theater received un- unrestricted operating support from ASC, really in the 90s, it's just startling. In the end of those 13 years that the american Children's Theater received funding, Children's Theater total was like $3.2 million in that. Mm. And Afro-American Children's Theater was about 500000
1: The That's reason we wanted to do and feature the work that you're doing is because oftentimes, you know, companies that have a billion dollars of funding will make a similar decision from an equity and funding. Although you're in arts and culture sector, it resembles and reflects the same model to a billion dollar corporation, which is how they're funding. Mm. And when you think about the example that you, you just gave, I'm sure there are more black and brown children being born in Charlotte every day than white. Mm-hmm. And so, with that report that you've been able to do, you told the truth, you have achieved several milestones in terms of how do you save an organization, how do you begin to turn the organization around. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently?
0: Honestly, no. I don't have anything that I would have done differently.
1: Mm. Um, Because I'm sure all the conversations were that nice after the report came.
0: That all the conversations were what?
1: Were that nice.
0: No, Well, I mean, no no, one... it's interesting. The past couple of months, I've been hearing people say, you know, that report really...
1: Opened It eyes. really, you
0: know, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about the report. Well, the report isn't really to make you feel comfortable. I mean, right. Right. the truth sometimes is, is, is uncomfortable.
1: But it sounds like you guys were able to bring along the people that wanted to come along through storytelling.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and I think, you know... Th- It's not so much of me talking, Mm -hmm. it's really about doing the work and showing the work to Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. I can talk all day long, but when someone sees a creative or Mm -hmm. an organization in their community doing the work and they understand that connection is made through by ASC and and, um, and that it is enhancing their quality of life in Mm -hmm. different ways, then that is what's really important to me they'll make that connection to say i like what you're doing right. you know i want to i want to connect with you you know it's interesting when you think about afro american children's theater and children's theater of charlotte one person said in an article well you know the the afro american children's theater went out of went out of business because black folks started auditioning to at other theater companies
1: mm-hmm.
0: no they went out of business because they were underfunded and undercapitalized. When you talk about equity, this person said, well, you know, we lost all the county funding back in the 90s due to, in 96 due to Angels in America, which was presented by the now defunct Charlotte Repertory Theater. And Angels in America, you know, had new scene, dealing with homosexuality, AIDS, et cetera. Mm -hmm. ASC was defunded by Mecklenburg County, but Charlotte Repertory Theater We get close to a half a million dollars every year. Mm -hmm. When you have Afro-American Children's Theater, if you look at the numbers, it's like 35,000, 36,000. Drop down to 34,000. Just this up and down, up and down, while Children's Theater is tick, 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 just up, increasing. There are people do things to protect themselves, to protect ego, legacy, et cetera. But again, I have the receipts. I know what is going on. And- um, We, you know, tell the truth, and yeah. we, you know, we have moved on. Sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, you can't keep beating a dead horse. You just have to right. move on. The report again was published in twenty one. We're heading into twenty three, yeah. and look at the work that we have been doing mm-hmm. and continue to do.
1: Last set of questions. So, when you think about the role of the people leader that you are, and the courage and the will. Oftentimes, the people are you, you're impacting, they don't have as big as a voice as the majority for the people that have benefited. How are you reconciling that? Meaning, here's the underserved audience, residents. Mm-hmm. Here are the big funders that have decided to go in a different direction as a result of changing landscape, shifting cultures, you've made it very transparent in terms of where not only you but the entire sector should be focused on. How are you are you how are you getting support from the very people that you're trying to help or have helped?
0: Yes, I have I do get support. Um I I like to say I have a lot of angels around me. Mm -hmm. Um there are people that are telling stories with others about ASC, my leadership, and the work that we are doing in community. I think about recently with Hannah Hassan, who is a local storyteller poet. He attended our uh, board meeting. Um, because I like to have mission moments um, where the board is hearing about about our our work. And Mm -hmm. did not know she was going to say this, um, but I really appreciate it. She talked about having me in this role in my leadership since being in this role and that she has been funded with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And she has received funding from ASC before in the past hearing that from her and how i show up in the community to support creatives was really important this is a black woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: when i think about the late uh, barbara ferguson who founded the afro-american children's theater she passed away a few months ago but she and i have had many conversations about other inequities and how um, other stories of how the, the Children's Theater, African american Children's Theater was treated in the past, but she was always informing others about ASC and the work and always asking, how can I help you? How can I support you? I'm rooting for you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really grateful. Those are just two examples that I'm really grateful for. There's much more work to be done, There's more connections that I need to make. Again, I'm only one person (laughs) with a lean staff, so doing the best I can day by day. But it's really important for us to, in our role and strength as a connector, to connect with residents that have historically been underfunded, Mm -hmm. to build those relationships, and make sure that they are connected to the assets that are here in Charlotte Mecklenburg, meaning organizations of all sizes as well as the creative individuals. Bravo. Because they have a cultural life um, as well. We just want to connect them so that they can experience something new or deepen their love for something.
1: Two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Given a lot of the work and what you've said and residents first and the role of city government plays as relates to the residents, What is the gap in terms of addressing the needs of all residents and the role that the city is playing or is not playing to bring that truth forward? So the
0: city of Charlotte, as it relates to arts and culture, with this this new effort that they're doing, doing a cultural plan as they're they're creating a cultural plan and they also raised. They ended up raising their money to arts and culture from $3 million to $6 million. Mm-hmm. And then the community foundation raised the match from corporate dollars. So there's $36 million that will be invested over three years. We're in year two of that, of the infusion fund.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the, the city's focus is really around economic development, tourism. They want to attract people to come here. They're all about heads and beds. They also own facilities that are in Uptown Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So the the sales pitch, which has been printed in the Business Journal, so I'm just going to repeat that, is really about restoring the health of Uptown Charlotte due to COVID. Yeah. It is helping the organizations in those city-owned facilities. So you think about the Beckler Museum of Modern Art, the Mint Museum, the Harvey B. Gantt Center for African-American Arts all, and Culture.
1: To all residents, do Uptown?
0: No, all residents do not stay uptown. So, ho- helping those organizations in city-owned facilities and the organizations that perform in those facilities. So, you think about Blumenthal Performing Arts—that's mm-hmm. where the symphony plays, that's where the opera play, you know, has their productions, that's where ballet. So, um, so I'm glad there's more money for the sector. I I really am because we have been advocating for increased funding. Um, I'm not, you know, since they're focused on tourism, Mm -hmm. again, ASC is focused on residents. You're right. Resid, all residents in this, in this community do not live uptown. Well, it's fine if that's the direction they want to go in, that is fine, But who is going to continue to focus on and care for and provide experiences for residents in this community to support their quality of life from an education standpoint, economic standpoint, even from jobs, as well as wellness Mm -hmm. and education. So that is the role of the Arts and Science Council. We are here to support the broader cultural sector and not to focus on a specific geographic space.
1: So, would you say in populations that are not in uptown, east and west side, are cultural deserts? And I'm making it as a broad statement this culture already exists. Right. But the institution of arts and culture, do those regional pockets of the city have access? Similar to Uptown.
0: No, not so much because you really don't have a lot of buildings, um, cultural building on the east and the west side. On the east side, you just have really, I think about Charlotte Museum of of History or maybe the Light uh, light Factory. But no, again, when you think about what was the economic, what was the calling card? It was really about Uptown Charlotte, Tryon Street. So you had that. For the city. For the the city, for the city. Not for ASC. Not for, well, no, not for ASC, but that's what ASC was tasked, you know, was tasked, right. tasked to do. So, um, so it's always been around Uptown Charlotte, North Tryon Street. So mm-hmm. now you have, you know, you have Discovery Place and all that on North Tryon Street. And then recently, past 10 years, you have Levine Center for the Arts. So mm-hmm. the New myth, the Beckler, and the Harvey B. Gantt Center. That's, that is one example of why culture blocks is so important because okay. we are on the east side and the west side, in the north, as well right. as other in the six suburb. we're actually in the six suburban towns in Mecklenburg okay. County, listening to and learning from community and residents about the things that they want to experience, that they want their children to experience or seniors want to experience. We have great senior programming for seniors that we're investing in because that is what they want. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to to not forget the residents that live here every single day.
1: Last question. Given the complexity of, of, of you know, arts and culture as a sector and changing demographics, as at well least to the residents, the city's position in terms of what they're looking to do as it relates to tourism and travel, um, what's the future of ASC?
0: I think the future of ASC is that we will continue to double down Mm -hmm. on our investments in creative individuals. We've made huge success, especially last fiscal year, um, over one percent $7 $7 million to creative individuals. And when I came to ASC, it was only like $50,000 to creative oh, wow. individuals. All
1: right, congratulations.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and also able to double down on investments in grassroots emerging organizations that really reflect the changing population and the population of Charlotte-Mecklenburg today. We Our ambition is really around multi-year funding. Um, because just like in the past, those organiz- eight those organizations and others that were funded were able to grow, but they were funded in an inequitable way. It's mm-hmm. now time for, to shift to, I call them, organizations of the future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's important for ASC to have the resources to be able to mm-hmm. do that. Because, again, it goes back to what the residents said, and not only just in 2014, but also in 2020, where they want relevant, diverse, and innovative programming for a changing population, and they want it where they live. So I think about Carolina's Latin Dance. I think about brand-new Sheriff production with Rory Sheriff. I think about Theater Gap Initiative that Corey Mitchell is doing.
1: But what about the original aid or the other institutions that have benefited? You want to, and this happens a lot, you want to take the money that I have now and give it to other
0: people? Not at all. Not at all. We don't cut our way to equity. We right. do not cut our way to equity. Right. Number one, it is there is a revenue challenge that the sector has. So what I see the future of ASC, again, depending on the funding and what the city decides to do, we may take take on operating support grants but that needs to continue to be done with an equity lens which we did in t- fiscal year 21 and also have resources to invest in creative individuals and organizations but if the city decides to take on continue to take on operating support grants again we since they did they've done that these past two fiscal years that has allowed us to double down on investment in creative individuals and creative individuals and, and grassroots emerging organizations. And I believe that it is now time, past time, for them to have the resources that they need, not just from a funding perspective, but from a capacity building perspective, so that they can grow as well. For ASC, the community is our classroom. And so it is really important for us to continue to listen to and learn from community, to build relationships with them and respond to the things that they want to, that they want to see and for us to be that connector.
1: Got it. Got it. Well, thank you for your time. I think you've been really insightful. You've gone on a journey that most people aspire to go on, specifically in their career. Not only that, I'm sure it impacts or has impacted you personally as well as you've gone on this journey. For the people that want to help, support, or give or for the work that you're doing, how can they get in contact with you?
0: Well, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. You can find us at arts.com and science.org that's a-r-t-s-a-n-d-s-c-i-e-n-c-e.org or follow us on any of our social channels at a-s-c charlotte
1: well awesome thank you for your time
0: thank you so much
1: people leaders out there listening or watching thank you again for investing your time with me today so I hope this episode was valuable to you. And if you are a new people leader listening or watching, thank you for tuning in for the first time. And don't forget, you can find all of the resources, links, and show notes at getreframe.com forward slash podcasts.